I live in like a, an in apartment, a, a college yeah. apartment. Yeah, and I record on a ring light, and I've been able to build like a pretty big business from just recording videos in my room on a ring light. Like it doesn't really take that much. I don't have production value like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> this week on Proof of Concept, we had social media content creator, lifelong entrepreneur, and previous guest Casper Opala make a return to the show. You might know him better as Casper Capital, but in this episode, we talked about his journey to becoming a content creator with over 3 million followers. Casper talked with us about how he started off as a day trader when he was 13 and how later he found gold when he discovered his niche of finance tips. We also talked about some quotes that Casper lives by and what they mean to him and also how Austin and I interpreted them. We wanted to add that a lot of you guys are listening but aren't following. If you want to be notified about our weekly episodes, give us a follow. Also, to help boost us in the search engine rankings and help more young go-getters like yourself discover this community, taking the time to leave a review goes a long way. Finally, as a way to get even more involved within this community, we wanted to tell you guys about a curated weekend away from campus for the University of Illinois' most impassioned founders, creators, and doers from March 1st through the 3rd. There's no strings attached to apply, and the link is in the description of this episode. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us if you have any questions via Instagram or just DMing Austin or I. Thank you and enjoy the show. You're somebody, well, it's, it's very interesting just the levels to it, right? Because I don't know a stat, but I feel like the average kid our age is got to be in debt. Yeah, you you were saying that earlier. You were like the average kid. You were saying like think about the average kid our ages, and then like you got cut yeah. off or something. But yeah, it's probably negative. Like the, the average, average net worth of a kid our age is probably in debt. So relative, still like even just being in the pluses, you're above. But then there are obviously other cases with people that have like put in a lot of money, a lot of time on their own thing, and have been able to accumulate a lot more than everybody else, and you're probably one of those people at least if you look at like statistically right so how has your experience of life been different since then and how valuable is having extra money at this age and what doors does that open it's a great question so i would say one of the things that i've noticed have changed once i mean by the way just like disclosure i don't make that much money like i it's like you'll see like a lot of followers and you'll think this person like is raking in tens of thousands of dollars a month. That's not really what's happening. It's just like enough money to be comfortable as a student. Um, but obviously a lot of students don't have jobs and if they do, it's minimum wage. So it's like, okay, it's nice. Um, well, here, how about we answer this? Is it something that you could, if you weren't in college, could be your full-time job? This? Yes. Well, it depends on where you live. <laughs> okay, well... The fact that it depends, like, says enough to, like, to give the perspective. Yeah, yeah. That, you, that That's what there I'm going go. for, I guess. So, but just having some sort of money, I would say, at this age, has, I would say, improved my confidence, for sure. And one thing that I love, love, love about it is I get to say no to things that I don't want to do. And I don't have to be, like, the average drone in college and oh, I have to search for these internships and schedule 20 coffee chats to make sure I look good in this recruiter's eyes. I can just say, I'm not going to be your little B word. (laughs) Um, I'm actually going to do my own thing because I think my time is more valuable. And 
I feel like I don't have to, I feel like in traditional nine to fives, it's very difficult to scale up in your income. While in business, you will likely have a much longer start. But once you start scaling, your income will scale tremendously faster, like 20 times faster than it would inside of a corporation. So that's a perk of having a business. Your income is usually grows exponentially up to a point. And also another thing on that is if you build the business up and you get to a point where you're generating revenue, you can end up exiting it too. And then that way you actually get a check when you end up quitting yes. at the same time. Contrary to That's awesome about having a faceless brand. And I unfortunately can't do that with my personal brand because no one can take over Casper Capital. Maybe if you look similar, I don't know, bro. Use AI, <laughs> use AI, deep, Who knows? Who uh, knows? deep fakes and stuff. But um, no, I think it's cool because you don't have to do a lot of things people tell you to do. And you can kind of like, quote unquote, splurge. I'll tell you how I splurged today. I'm biking back from um, like a, an event that I was at today in the morning. And I'm about to pass Target. And I turned around. I'm like, wait, let me get some fruit. I look at the fruit section. I'm like, are you out of your mind? $6 for a little, like half a pint of blackberries. But I really want to buy this pint of blackberry because I love blackberries. Fuck it. Let's buy it. So I got that. I got like a pack of frozen fruit, which is a lot more of an economic choice. Um, And then I bought some like organic blueberries. Like I love being able to spend on my health. And if health, if that thing also leads to happiness in my life, because I love eating healthy it makes me feel good in the moment and i also feel good long term because i feel healthy and i am healthy so that's another cool thing like the things back in the day where i do still skimp out on a lot of stuff that i don't think are valuable but some things i'll just like rewire my brain and just say fuck it buy it like don't even think about it even though maybe it's too much um like six dollars for i ate them in like 20 minutes so it's (laughs) It's not a good investment, you know, but just being able to do that kind of stuff is, is cool. Yeah. Also, like, <laughs> I mean, you got it. It's gotta, so like small, but it means a lot to me. Yeah. I mean, well, cause I guess the gain from it is greater than just like the satisfaction that you get from eating a little thing of blueberries. Um, obviously I guess it makes you happy in the long run cause you're eating healthy. So then that $6 goes a lot, a lot more of a way than just yeah and i also don't spend it on stupid things that can hurt your health like i don't buy alcohol i don't pay for drinks i don't like buy unhealthy foods i don't eat fast food i cook for myself every day and i cook really really good food like healthy food what are you you cooking just real quick okay this could touch (laughs) on our little biohacking part too um (laughs) the casper capital diet plan so here's what i do uh here's what i eat in a day basically Okay, so the Casper Capital meal plan or diet is we wake up, we throw three eggs into a little pot, boil them for five minutes so they're perfect, you know, a little bit moist on the inside. runny yolk. Yes, sir. And then we put 1.33 pounds of ground beef from Costco, organic grass-fed, on my pan. takes about 10 minutes to cook it, nice and ready. And then you put the ground beef in a bowl. And you put the eggs, I mean, you take the skin off, you put them on a plate, salt it, season it, and that's your breakfast. I don't eat all of the beef at breakfast, but I'll eat it throughout the day. Okay. So I'll have like probably like 
close to a pound for breakfast, maybe like three fourths of a pound to a pound of ground beef and like three boiled eggs. And that'll be like my perfect breakfast. Oh, and I'll top it off with some green tea and some dark chocolate, like 95% dark chocolate. And that is Casper Capital's ideal breakfast. And makes me feel good. Like I can eat. I've noticed that a big issue in my life is I have insane cravings. I think it's after my mom. My mom is the type where she'll like binge eat a whole box of like ice cream, like a whole quart of ice cream in one night watching a movie. So I kind of noticed that I have like this insane sweet tooth. So what I do to help that is I just eat so much healthy food where I literally, I physically can't fit anything more in my stomach. So when it comes time for my sweet tooth to come in, I can only eat like a little bit until I, I physically can't fit more food in my body. So that's kind of my hack for myself. Okay. One, what, what's super interesting to me is all of these different domains of life, like, and it, I'm going to zoom out and then I'll kind of like zoom back mm-hmm. in, is it all like, is it kind of like a web that amplifies itself, right? If you have more money, then you also have more time because then you could give money to get more time. And then with that more time, you could make more money. But at the same time, if you have more money and you have more time, then you can spend more on nice food and a better diet that will make you feel better, which will then make your quality of time better and also might lead to more money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like this recurring. Investing in yourself. And it constantly. all like yeah. compounds so much. And then if you continue that over time, it's, it's. And the earlier you can start compounding that, the further ahead you'll be yeah yeah just just wait until i'm 25 yeah. <laughs> i'm kidding i mean you gotta be no like you gotta be excited about it right when yeah you think wow like to where i am now it's it's all exponential unless you yes. make some you know like i mean really, there's obviously really potholes not, and like yeah obstacles along the way but for the most part i feel like if you make the right moves in the chessboard it really can exponentiate mm-hmm. right and as long as you maintain your same goals and values in life like if you swap like dang, I don't really need money anymore. Let's focus on starting a family. Then I guess your income won't go up, but your experience with family will go up. Yeah, and it's all trade-offs, and it's all trade-offs. Well, we've talked a lot about like where you're at now and why you're able to enjoy like life to the extent that you are, but I feel like it's really good to establish that context of what got you to this point, mm-hmm. which was a lot of that just blunt work, a lot of input of the okay, maybe this is a little bit off, but I'm going to spend a few more hours on it because it needs to be perfect. I know that like you are the complete definition of a perfectionist. Yep. So walk us through the timeline. I guess we could use the three little checkpoints of when you first started. Well, like we'll break it down one by one. So talk to us a little bit about how you got started with options trading, day <laughs> trading. How old were you? 13. 13. 13. Wow. Day trading, recording it, posting on YouTube, combining two of your interests. Walk us through what that looked like at that point in your life. Yeah, for sure. So um, I started my entrepreneurial journey with, I think the first thing I did was like I knocked on doors around my neighborhood to rake leaves, to offer to rake leaves for my neighbors. Okay. And it was this, like I was the most stressed out I think I've ever been. You know, I was with my neighbor. And I was the one knocking because he was too like stressed out and too nervous to do it. So was I, but I, I wanted that money bad. So I did it, right? So I was knocking on doors. We went through like 15 houses until one person said yes. And I offered 20 for their front lawn and their backyard, which was 
huge. We didn't even see the backyard and we just said 20 anyway. So we got $10 each after laboring away for like two hours. Actually, it was like an hour and a half one day and then another hour the next day because we came back as it got dark. So that was kind of like my, like, I guess my first touch on money. And then I started exploring some internet money opportunities because that's what everyone was talking about on YouTube at that time. And I wanted to check it out myself. So I got into trading. I got into investing first. Then I thought it was too boring. It's going to take forever for me to become a millionaire because I need to become a millionaire by 18, <laughs> um, which I didn't. But, you know, we learned so much along the way that it's worth it. So worth it. So I combined that learning. I transitioned from investing to learning how to trade stocks like day trade. And I started recording my journey on YouTube. I would just screen record my phone on like my trading app and my charting app. And I would just talk about, hey, like this stock is at resistance right now. We're going to short it right now. We're going to buy it because it's at support. And I amassed a small following, maybe a few hundred followers, um, doing those videos, commenting on a bunch of other people's channels to bring people to mine. And I, my goal was to get monetized. Eventually, one of my videos, I started learning a lot more about how the algorithm works so I can actually get monetized and start making some money from this thing. Because so I was watching Graham Stephan talk about, this is how I make $40,000 a month from ad revenue. And I was like, why can't I do that? Why can't I do that? So that kind of snowballed. I put in a lot of work commenting on other people's videos, like Graham Stephan. If you scroll back to his old videos, my comments are probably going to be one of the top liked ones because I had like my strategy to become top liked. And that brought people to my account. Eventually, one video of mine ranked for SEO. For those who don't know what that is, it's for search engine optimization. Meaning if someone searches up, um, let's say how to invest on Robinhood, my video would pop up near the top. And I just did a little tutorial that I screen recorded on my phone outside on a family vacation trip with like my cousins. Um, I just snuck away and I recorded this video. Ended up getting like 300,000 views. And because this video was the video that got me monetized. And since I was in the finance niche, very targeted and very lucrative niche for CPMs, I think this video alone made me over $9,000 that I screen recorded on my Samsung Wait, how much? 4, how much? Over 9,000. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Wait, how old were you? At 13, That was like the lifetime earnings of the video. I probably posted the video when I was 14 or 15. Wow. Yeah. Were some of the comments like like commenting on your voice? That's what I would yeah. expect. But people, <laughs> believe it or not, were so supportive in my comment section. I had like the same 10 people come to each video. And they're like, yeah, great stuff, Casper. Um, take a look at this stock. I've actually been investing for 40 years. And I'm investing in this stock right now. And I'm like, like, why are these people being so nice to me? Like, honestly, some <laughs> angels on those first YouTube videos. So... That's gotta be hilarious. You're like fourteen year olds, fourteen year old, fourteen years old reading that, and you're like, and you're reading like, oh, I've been investing in it for forty years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm very thankful for those early supporters. Um, but so that was the first venture, YouTube. So YouTube was like my first try at entrepreneurship, along with trading stocks. But trading stocks went down the hole real quick once I discovered options and drained my account from eight hundred dollars to zero dollars in the matter of like two months. So that kind of flew out the window. How are we gonna make more money to put into my trading account? So I stumbled across Instagram theme pages and I was a total like anti-social media kid up to the age of 14. 
all my cousins, all my friends had Instagram, they had Snapchat. It was all like the popular thing. I'm like, you guys are so stupid. Why are you wasting your time? Live life in the real world. Don't use social media. I was kind of brainwashed by my parents and elders because that's what they were saying at the time. And I thought I was... There's and I was a, always there's like, a degree uh, to truth, in it, though. Oh, 100%. But we could talk about that for a while. But yeah. Continue, continue. But I think it was. it comes down to also being like a parent pleaser. I've always been like a good kid um to my parents i've tried at least and to other parents like other parents would be like why aren't you like casper i'm like i'm just i'm just trying to be a good guy you know um so i didn't really like social media until i found out i can make money on it so one of my next ventures was drop shipping through which i was like i need to find a way to get traffic to my website to get sales so i tried paid ads but i also tried growing an instagram account myself that I could take the people who watch my videos on there to my website where I'm promoting a product and get sales from there. So I tried that. Didn't really work. Dropshipping, my first try of dropshipping, probably lost like $100, $200. Um, but I learned a tremendous amount. I would still put a huge bet on, if you haven't tried, entre- I put a huge bet on if you haven't tried anything within the entrepreneurial world right now, if you were to try dropshipping, you would learn more than most other business models and you will lose money, but you will learn so, so much. And that's why I think it'd be a good investment. Like if I had to do it all over again, I would do the exact same thing regardless of losing money because it teaches you so much about like writing ad copy, writing, like creating a website, doing product research, um, testing ads, running ads. Like I was running ads on Facebook, Facebook ads when I was 14. Tell me another 14-year-old. Actually, now nowadays, people are really ambitious at 14. But <laughs> yeah. when yeah. I was 14, I was the only kid on the block doing that. Yeah, there wasn't that same hustler culture yeah. back then. Like, I'll see kids on my For You page now who are, like, 14, making, like, 20K a month off social media. I'm like, dude, I'm not even doing that. I'm, like, old now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's all relative. One, I have two questions that mm-hmm. I want to get into a little bit. So, when you're talking about that beginning of when you start, okay, raking leaves and then also the next uh, different like e-commerce, like different ways you explored mm-hmm. in entrepreneurship. Considering you were so young, when you're younger, you have this blind optimism and you just, everything, you're very uh, naive. You think everything's going to work. Yes. Right? And you think everything is possible. Yes. Do you think that that was a great positive that from starting early? was that naive like oh i can accomplish anything that i want and even though that may not be statistically correct that the majority of people do fail the fact that you're young and have that naive belief like having that naive naive belief in and of itself is a great skill or something that propelled you forward yes i would say 100 1000 yes as a kid i remember my parents telling me Oh, you're listening to these stupid internet people. They're all lying. They're all just telling you this because they're trying to manipulate you. And as a young kid, I was super naive. And I would say to this date, I guess I'm exposing myself. Um, I am very easy to convince for stuff. Like I'm very easy to sell. Like you can hop on a phone call with me and in an hour I can be starting a new business um, that'll last the next six months. Like I'm really easy to sell. But I think that is also part of the blind optimism that will get me to do things that other people will overthink for way too long until the point that they never do it. So 
I think blind optimism was a beautiful thing. And I remember telling my parents, I'm like, mom, 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 I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 18. Watch, watch, watch. I didn't become a millionaire, but by the time I was 17, I generated over $100,000 in revenue from Instagram, which was good. It's not a million dollars, but it's good. Um, I lost all of that money. Well, like 90% of it in crypto the following year, but just being able to make that money just showed me proof of concept that it's possible. And it actually motivated me a lot to, I guess when your back is pushed up against the wall, you're going to work harder than if you're sitting comfortably. So, I mean, if I did have like that money now, uh, at that time, I probably would have progressed slower than I did just starting a whole new business model and just ramping it up over the next two years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think blind optimism is something you should have going to a business because if I'll give you an example right now, if I knew what I knew about my current business, my personal brand about finance, all the work that goes into it, all the intricacies and all the things you need to do, the thought process, the systems, um, negotiating with brands, getting screwed over by brands, which you guys just saw this <laughs> like a few minutes ago, I was getting messages from a brand and they were talking about like some minor things that they screwed up that they tried to put on me um, and now they don't want to pay me out. Like if I knew all of this going into it, I probably would have just not even started it because I would have been like, that's way too much work. That's too much. So I guess there is a good thing about like this whole entrepreneurial space on the internet, even if they just show you the good sides, because it'll motivate you to actually start it. And then you'll deal with the bad things when you're already in it. You're not going to drop a, a good business just because you run into a small roadblock. But if you know all those roadblocks are going to exist, you don't know the good side of the business, right? So I guess it's a trade-off, but I would say it's, it's a good thing to have. Yeah, it's, it's almost like you're already in like halfway. Mm -hmm. like you're not going to stop now. Might as well keep going. But if you know it's coming, then like you're obviously not going to be as inclined to exactly. kind of start in the first place. So let it hit you and let it hit you hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I always think about like the question that I asked. I always think about that theme. And sometimes it's good to believe something that's false, you know, at least in my mind, because that false belief might lead me to true success. You know, and there's like the little juxtaposition there. But it's something that I try to implement all the time. And it's, I don't know, yeah, just like a little theme that I think about a lot. But, okay, so we talk a little bit about your beginnings, your 13, 14, 15 stages. But there's still a long way to go in bridging to where you are now, right? So I guess fill us in on how did this Casper Capital brand start? And how did you get into Instagram, like, like face content? And how did you get that belief that that was a journey worth pursuing, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. We can definitely dive into that. So to bridge the gap, I guess we ended off on like dropshipping. And what that dropshipping experience taught me was that Instagram theme pages were a great business to start because when I was trying to get traffic to my accounts, uh, when I was trying to get people to my website, I had to pay these Instagram theme pages, like these 100,000 follower cat accounts to post an ad for my product and get people to go to my website. I was like, I'm paying these people like $100 a week for this. Why don't I just be the person who sells the ads with no obligation to make sales? And I just collect, it's like being the bank. Like you don't care what people do with the money, 
or what people do with the traffic. You just collect the money. So I started a few Instagram theme pages, failed at first, found a mentor. That mentor just showed me the ropes and I literally exploded once someone just who was in the game and they understood the game just gave me a tiny bit of advice. I went from a brand new account to 30,000 followers and growing by 1,000 followers a day in two months. It was at like 34,000 followers. Got scammed out of that account, um, completely lost it. And that was like, I think I was 14 at that time. Um, so I guess it, I was starting and starting and doing a lot of business at the same time. The average was juggling three businesses at a time, which another lesson from that is do one thing at a time um, and go all in. Don't do three things at a time. Less but better. Yes, exactly. Essentialism. <laughs> <laughs> the book over your right shoulder. Yes. So I was doing a lot of these businesses. Instagram theme pages was the first major success for me. And within that account that I started, I think I made like $400 or $600 the second month, but like right before I got scammed. And I was like, wow, there's actually something here. Like $400, $600 is a lot to a 14 year old, especially if you can't even get a job yet. Right. Um, So like getting this kind of money from the internet, it's magic money, bro. So I didn't really like spend any money. Um, I just saved it, but got scanned out of that account. But since I knew the ropes, I just started a new one. And then I grew that really quickly, taught some of my very close business friends inside of high school. Um, I had some friends and I just taught them how to do this too, because it was an amazing opportunity. Um, Some things did go well, some things didn't go well with like business partners and friends that we had to break along the way, like break up our partnerships and our friendships along the way. Um, just like, I guess money blinded us. Um, I won't say who or what, but there were just like some ugly situations that happened, um, that were very unfortunate because there was just like a misunderstanding about responsibilities. So right here, can we, I just want to stop mm -hmm. a little bit because one of the things that we were, so we obviously were sitting down, we were all, all these questions that we were curious to ask you and one of those things was some quote, <laughs> ironic, that money doesn't change you, it changes all the people around you. And did you see that to be true at that point? Not necessarily saying that anyone's a bad person, but more of at that point or like that stage, especially with everyone being so young, right? Do you feel like you change? You were changing in these points more rapidly than they were changing do you, do you know what i'm trying to start do you feel like you were changing or do you feel like they were more changing around you so it depends on what we're talking about because there was it was me and there's two friends whom i taught how to do instagram and the two worked together on their own account and i worked on an, a mutual account with one of the guys i taught and we ended up like he wanted to break apart just one night he just calls me he's like hey dude you're not doing enough work I'm like, dude, you spend an hour a week doing this. I'm in the DMs every day working like an hour a, a day in the DMs. And you're working an hour a week to schedule posts that we pay some person on five or 50 cents a post and you just schedule it. I'm in the DMs like actually turning cash flow from these accounts. And he's like, no, 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 bro. Uh, you're not doing enough work. I'm changing the passwords at midnight. And I'm like, what the hell? 
anyway, I was cranking the DMs. I made one grand that night because I was like super pissed. And I was like, dude, I can show you like I can help you make more money too because we were splitting everything 50-50. Um, so he was like, it doesn't matter. Don't really care. I'm changing the passwords anyway. So I was like, okay, well, I guess that ends our partnership. We had like a contract that we signed that we we're going to like terminate our partnership and everything. But the crazy thing is I'm still good friends with this guy. I don't know if I, I should be or shouldn't, but we have so many things in common in terms of like music taste, in terms of um, like business mindset. And um, he's also like, I don't know, just I'm sorry, a lot bro. of similarities. Yeah, I was different like five <laughs> years ago, man. Like, <laughs> no, so it's, it's weird. I don't know. It's a complicated relationship, but it is what it is. I never, I never want to burn bridges, I guess. And I, all I want to do is just show love like to everyone. So yeah, I don't know. That's just a situation that exists and I don't do business with him anymore. That's just what I told myself. I'm just not going to do any more business at all ever with him. But if he wants, if we still want to stay in touch, that's fine. You know, like, cause the issue was business. It wasn't friends outside. Yeah. He wasn't like a bad person or anything, but like the business aspect of it just didn't work out between you guys yeah or it pulled something from from him that doesn't really show usually i don't know yeah yeah Uh, i mean that's i don't really know what caused it it was just weird this is how partnerships can be sometimes and in order to like hit it big a lot of times you do have to be looking out for those partnerships just because that is business it is literally just a web of partnerships and people wanting to propel themselves forward but on that topic a little bit i don't know how long how long ago it necessarily started but similarly to like we were talking about getting sold on stuff you had a conversation about partnering with a company i don't know the name or anything like that that doesn't need to be disclosed about selling courses right and that we could figure that out right take us through i guess how that partnership formed and some of the lessons you learned from that that you took from there and you're like, okay, now maybe I need to be a little bit more cognizant of where I'm putting my time and my energy and what exactly is an opportunity and what might be a distraction. Sure. Do we want to bridge the gap between theme pages and what I'm doing now, or at least give people a brief? Yeah. I was going to say before you, that's a loaded question, but before you even answer that, maybe like tell us a little bit about like the motive of why you wanted to do that in the first place. And whatever else you want to add to kind of bridge that gap. Sure. And I think if I finish off with the Instagram, it'll give a good understanding okay. of why this. So Instagram was going great. We sold advertisements on our accounts. Main way to make money, making one to $2,000 a month. Net, which was beautiful as 15, 16-year-old. Awesome. Um, but then COVID hit and I'm like, well, let's do something more. Let's scale. So I wrote an 80-page ebook on how to grow on Instagram because <laughs> <laughs> you just dropped that like 80 pages. I mean, I guess like if well, you saw the potential. It was it was everything, everything I knew about Instagram that I learned from other people and myself and my experiences. But at that point, I was cranking out new accounts in the business space, growing them from zero to a hundred thousand followers like clockwork. Like every, it would take me four to five months to grow from zero to a hundred thousand followers. So like. Yeah, less than half a year. And I was like, this works. This makes me money. Why don't I just teach people how to make money and make money with that? That was the golden goose. So I wrote this ebook, um, created a funnel, learned how to like build a landing page, the sales behind it, writing copy. 
And I promoted that to my audience, sold like crazy. First time I posted one single Instagram post about it, it made like $240 in sales. And I was like, okay, this is nice. This is nice. And then I didn't want to saturate my audience. So I used other people's accounts to promote it. So I would pay someone like $30 to post this ad for me. And I'd make back 300. I was like, whoa, this is kind of cool. So I ended up just working with a lot of other pages and I would spend $50, make back 400. I would spend 20, make back 200, right? It was like an insane return. I would say the returns were between five and 10 X of what I was putting into the ad. So it was like a cash cow. And that helped me scale my income from the one, 2000 a month up to, um, we did 5,000 by we, I mean me, <laughs> I did 5,000, 8,000. And then one month I crossed over $10,000 in revenue, which was huge. I remember it was June 20, I don't know if it was June 2020 or June 2021, but it was a milestone month for me. And from there, uh, things went up to like at max, like 15K, but it was just hovering between like eight and 15. But it wasn't all profit because I was still spending on ads, uh, software costs, etc. So I learned the lesson that I would make a lot more money if I taught someone how to do something rather than doing it myself. I was like, I could start 10 of these new accounts every month and try to do it all myself. Or I could teach people how to do it where you have more leverage over your time and make more money that way. So I decided to take that route and it yielded fantastic results. So now fast forward to now, I have a personal brand that I talk about how to save money, how to invest, how to build credit, all things personal finance. And I've grown this brand from zero to a million followers in a year. And it's been less than two years since I started. And across platforms, I'm at over three million followers. So it's been growing exponentially. Um, but because I know how to grow these accounts and I have a lot of experience and it'll be like my friends will ask me for stats like, oh, how did this video do for you, by the way? And what are your follower growth stats looking like? I like send it over and it's like, dude, 130,000 followers in a month. I'm like, yeah, that's that's all right. Like that's that's nothing crazy for my account. And just seeing like those kinds of reactions was like, OK, I have something valuable here that people will probably want to pay me to learn. So with that knowledge in mind, I decided to create a whole program where I teach people A to Z how to start their own personal brand, how to become a creator themselves. So it goes from everything from choosing a profitable niche to setting up your accounts, optimizing them for, for SEO, branding, aesthetics, to researching viral videos, recording, editing, all the editing optimization strategies, um, how to post like specific caption, hashtag strategies, um, these super cool retention hacks that can get people to watch your video for longer than usual. Like these are these super niche hacks that like either I had from my experience or people within my circle have tested and worked really well. So I had like pure sauce. And then we go into monetization as well how to make money from brand deals, how to reach out to them, my personal brand deal template, like email that I sent to people, to br sorry, to brands. I was like, we got a lot of value here that I could share with the world. So let's monetize it. So I ended up partnering with a group of guys from Canada. And I don't want to say anything negative about these guys. Like truly, I think their hearts are in the right place and they've been great. Um, 
like people. I feel like they're great people, but it just seemed like some things were off between our communications. Like at first, it was phenomenal. It seemed like everything was working well. Turns out that they, it was two partners that ran the whole company, and they had some internal conflicts. And I was talking to someone else who was working with them, and they said they weren't paying people out, like videographers and editors. They also mentioned that they're not giving the person who created their course access to the course, access to the videos, access to the payment processors, which was all kind of like fishy for them to be doing them to them. But to me, like I had access to the payment processors, I had access to the videos, I had access to everything. But them seeing them doing it to other people kind of scared me that that might happen to me as well. So before we had probably our biggest launch that we were going to have, I just backed out and I said, hey, like guys, I just want to terminate this agreement. Um, I just said someone from family is, I need to take care of someone from family, made up some excuse um, because I didn't really want to tell him why because then that draw more conflict. So I ended that partnership. I have the whole, the whole like content still, right? All the content, how to become a creator A to Z. And I haven't touched it since November. So between now and then, I've been scheming something new. And I found a new partner, uh, this time it's one person, to help me take this value and bring it to the world. And I guess we can kind of dive into that if that sounds interesting. Oh, well, yeah, I, I'd love yeah, to. In a I, I want to hear too. One little piece of your sauce that I love is I watched some video from, because obviously Casper's feels uh reels were on my feed before i even knew who he was and again they're still now that i know who he is um i remember i like watched some video last summer and it was i don't remember what it exactly was about i think it was about vacations and one of the places was columbia and he spelled it wrong and i'm like this idiot casper's an idiot bro and i go to all the comments they're all clowning him and say like selling spelled columbia wrong just like go on my day whatever and then we're sitting in a presentation for Reach um, that he was giving, which Reach is pretty much an Oregon campus, uh, social media organization. Just about, again, I guess the spark notes of all of that value that you could provide. And one of the big pieces is spell things wrong in your videos because then that gets people to comment all, like, all up in your comment section. And then it just helps the algorithm blow up your video. And I'm like, I was the idiot. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, damn, bro. He was one move ahead of me. But that, that was one, one little story that I, I always find pretty funny. Um, I had a, oh, yeah. I, I do want to dive a little bit into the strategy and tactics, I guess. But one thing that I want to hear your thoughts on now is when you were going through that time of terminating the agreement, the partnership, we had a conversation. I don't remember where exactly we were walking to. But you pretty much talked about how, in some ways, it may have felt like a waste of time. And I remember we were talking about it. And do you still, now that we're, I guess we're a few months out, do you still feel like it was a waste? And now that you've, I guess, had this time to reflect, is there things that you did take from it that make sense now that you've had more time to like kind of see the effects of it? I think it wasn't a waste, but that time could have been used more efficiently as well. So it was a win, but it wasn't a champion win. Like it wasn't 
the best thing I could have done with that time, but it was definitely better than not doing anything. So the reason why I would say it was a win is because it pushed me to actually create this whole library of videos and this knowledge and put it down into paper and then put that into a presentation and then put that into videos that people can consume and understand and apply into their own lives because it was all sitting in here. And while it's sitting in here, it's you have very little leverage on how you can distribute that knowledge. But if you can put it down and produce it, you can have a lot more leverage on distribution. So I would say it was a win because it got me and it pushed me to actually do it, make videos on it and teach people it. But if we did have a successful marketing approach and I had a different maybe group of partners or even the same, if they just, just didn't have any internal conflicts, in life. Yeah. yeah, just maybe like a few months earlier before there's conflict, we could have done insane numbers and crushed it. But since whatever happened, happened, can't really change it. So you just do the best of what you have and move forward. Uh, yeah. The other thing is, you don't really know if it's a true win or loss and nothing's ever the binary win or loss. That's mm -hmm. how much of a win or how much of a loss is it? Because what if now that you've gone through this in a year or two, you end up not doing a deal that would have got you fleeced out of like thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, and it's, you, you'll never really know because the time, like how good an event, how good or bad an event is depends on when you're looking at the event you know yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah. but i think it's important to also have good judgment and i've learned through like breaking up with a business partner earlier in my life i was like 16 17 i learned that whenever something fishy is starting to show end it immediately end it just have good judgment same thing in relationships I, i'll even touch on that like if you see okay it's totally depends i'm the type wants to date to marry long-term relationship if i don't see myself having a family with this woman then i don't want to even go on a date with her right um same thing with like relationships like if you don't see anything long-term happening successfully just end it earlier before it gets worse before it gets harder or the repercussions will be worse or like the pain will be worse so that's kind of like my approach is trust your judgment and when you notice something fishy just end it it's over. And that keeps you kind of moving fast too. So you don't waste time moving slow in things that aren't helping you grow. Type, type, type. Yeah. That's a bar. Just um, taking it all in. Yeah. Well, do we want to go a little bit more in on the strategy and tactics, I guess, and an overview of what, and how Chris would say, what the value add is of that. and Of what? Of what you're looking to release mm -hmm. in the upcoming future. What do you think are the biggest value adds? And I guess, what's your pitch? You know, maybe not sure. like directly, but what, yeah. what do you think are those biggest value adds? So number one, I'll start with the people who did join earlier um, while we did have our first launch with the other business partners. Um, these people are actually doing great. Um, a lot of them have started creating videos, which it's hard to get someone to do their first video, especially most people joining this program were older, between 40 and like 65. And to get a 40-year-old to record a video of themselves, edit it, and post it on the internet, trust me, that is an accomplishment. <laughs> so we're getting people to start creating content. We had someone hit 10,000 followers on Facebook, getting like a million view video every week. 
And I'm like, wow, so what I'm teaching is actually working. It's actually helping people and it's going to help them transform their lives. So that gave me more motivation and confidence to continue with the same drive that I need to actually release this program, but in a different way. So the program is now going to be restructured. It's going to be very similar content. I added some more videos on things that I feel could be more val could be valuable to people who who need it. So I added more videos on certain topics that felt like were missing to me. Um, the feedback that I got was the course is great. Like the videos are great, goes through everything. But I was like, well, if you're in this specific situation, you would probably want to hear and understand this. So I made videos on like everything I could think of to teach people. And then I'm the most important thing is I'm restructuring the whole course into a six week program. Because if you have like a system of actionable steps you can take, you are far more likely to actually execute than if you have, here's all the knowledge, do it, right? If you're like week one, pick out your niche. This is exactly how you can pick a very profitable niche. And then set up your accounts on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. How do you even do that? I have videos for all of that. Um, setting up your bio, your SEO on your accounts, and then how to research viral videos. End the first week off with have three viral videos researched and ready to go for the next week. The next week we go into um, scripting the videos, etc., etc. So it kind of breaks down the process so people are far more likely to actually execute on the knowledge they're given. Because I would also feel bad if people are paying me like a high ticket price for this. And even though they have the knowledge, like I gave them my share, like you have access to me every week. We have group coaching calls. You have all the content you need and you have all the steps that you should take, but you don't do it. I was, I still kind of feel bad for the people because they invested into themselves and they're not holding up that promise to themselves. So I'm trying to make that easier and easier for them and just breaking it down in a very systematic way that I would take if I personally was starting again. So that's the content itself and how it's restructured. So it's a six week program on how to become a creator and turn your passion into a profit, which is essentially what I did over the last two years. I love personal finance. I love investing, saving money, um, credit. I got my first credit card when I was like 16 under my mom as an authorized user, turned 18 with an 800 credit score. Like I know this stuff and I love it. I love talking about it and now I have the privilege to actually make a living from it. So I want to teach people how to do the same, whatever their passion is. So we're taking a new approach in marketing as well, because the previous way that we were launching was um, I would generate attention for it and like hype throughout my stories, direct people to a webinar through which in the webinar, I would give like 45 minutes of value. And then I would pitch for like 10 minutes at the end and be like, if you guys want more information and want more hands-on help, um, here's a link to book a call with my team and they can help you potentially get started working um, like more closely with me and having more direct access to me to get my help on this. So that's what we did at first. Didn't do bad. We did, I think, twenty six dollars or $28,000 in revenue. After everything, though, we had um, some chargebacks because and that we couldn't win because I got locked out of the contract app that we were using, PandaDocs. So there were some like issues with that because the partner split happened. I had to pay my partners a settlement. Um, and then we also spent money on ads, which drained 
like the revenue to close to nothing. And we were splitting everything 50-50 as well. So um, didn't really make money off that, but I did learn. And I'm going to apply what I learned there into the next venture. So the way that we're approaching it now is it's honestly not too different fundamentally, but it's taking traffic from the stories and Instagram reels on my account, funneling it into a VSL, which is a essentially you go for my story or my reel where I talk about making money on social media and you get to watch a free training where I basically break down my whole business model and to help you understand it better and show you the value of it. If you're interested in pursuing something like that, you can apply to work one-on-one with me and you fill out a type form. So you enter like your name, your email, um, and just some like questions about yourself to make sure that you'd actually be a good fit for this program um, and that we can actually help you and help you succeed. Because if someone's like, oh yeah, 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 and then they, they're not dedicated, they're not action takers, sure, we'll get a check, but we're not gonna have any success stories to tell, right? So we want action takers, we want people who are qualified, and then they get a chance to book a call with my team. And on the call, my team will just go through the whole program. And if they're interested, they can go ahead and buy and be entered into the program. So the program will consist of you get that six-week step-by-step process of how to become a creator. And on top of that, you also get weekly group coaching calls with me, which we'll have in like fairly small groups, probably less than 10 people and me where you can ask questions, submit your videos for review, and I'll like live watch them and review them for you, give you tips like cut it here, make this bigger, change the hook, change that, whatever, my personal input. And you have direct access to me through a community, a very select community of people. So that's kind of the value that I'm providing. And I actually want to hear your guys' take and what you guys think about this pitch, I guess. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, so I think when it comes to obviously something where it's about like content creation and like kind of your field of your, your niche is obviously finance, but then the broader field of like creating Instagram and like TikTok content, there's a lot that like people don't know. And then I think it comes back to like, you know, how we were talking about all those like road barriers that you can see ahead of time. I think there people see a lot of that when they're trying to get into that. They're like, oh, but like only 1% of people will like succeed at it. Or like, oh, but only 10 people are going to watch my video. And then that just kind of backs them out from doing it. So the idea of someone who's already like seen some success from it, going out there with all his tips, everything that he's learned from the last, what is it, like four, four years now? Yeah, from everything, like four or five years. Probably even more, right? Because you started back from the days of knocking on doors and raking leaves, um, like everything you've learned put into like a course that is there to kind of just like provide them with all the value that they can get. Um, I think it's a great way for someone to kind of get that knowledge um, because it's not really something that you find out there that common, or at least it's not something that I've come across um, very easily by just like a Google search or whatever, like you're going to find all the same basic information, but you're not just going to, you're not going to be able to find some of those like more advanced things that you're offering as kind of like someone reviewing a video or, and I'll be honest with you, like even starting social media myself, the reason why I actually blew up and had my first success on Instagram was not because I watched, I literally watched hundreds of hours of content on YouTube on how to grow on Instagram 
um, how to grow like these faceless accounts. None of that did anything until I actually met someone who's done it before. And they gave me just a little bit of their sauce and their input. And you guys heard the story from zero to 34,000 followers in two months, going by a thousand followers a day. That's kind of like what I experienced and I want other people to be able to experience because online you don't have access to this knowledge at all because most people who are writing like blog posts and Google search, whatever pops up on Google yeah. are boomers who have no idea how any of this works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's like, oh, post at 12 PM, um, use three (laughs) hashtags, use hashtags between none of that matters. None of that matters. And if you actually played the game, you would know that and you wouldn't give that advice that doesn't really change anything. Yeah. So (laughs) a lot, a lot of those articles are yeah probably written by people who have never actually seen success firsthand in that field themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and they just think that they have credibility to give out that information when they probably shouldn't be, um, so yeah, my feedback on it is it seems like something that like if I wanted to create in that field and didn't know where to start, it's probably the best way I could get the most value from like spending time to learn from something. So I I definitely fundamentally agree with that. I think you kind of fight two uphill battles that I'm interested to hear your thoughts sure. on. Sure. I I'm excited to hear what's next. I'm gonna go one. And then I want to hear your thoughts, and mm-hmm. I'll go my second one. Sure. My first one is, unfortunately, I believe you face some of the repercussions of just a lot of scammers who end up, because there's this connotation, we say it all the time in Instagram comment sections, of you watch some like Sigma video mm-hmm. of like some, some uh, kid our age, like probably with a rented Lambo or something, like a uh, rented Lambo, something like that. And all the comments will be like your average, like course selling, whatever. And anytime just selling courses is brought up, there's the stigma that it's a scam. And even though there a lot of times, especially because I know you as a person and I would inc- vouch for you so much, it's like people, when they're looking through a screen, they don't have that same level of, it's just like the stigma around course selling just isn't. It's very negative. So I guess, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, just in general, maybe course sellers. Yeah. And I'm curious. So I have two awesome takes on this. Number one, when you're on the other side of like the rainbow, I guess. Yeah. I I, I am on the side of like businesses that are doing success, are performing successfully. When I see someone talking about I'm dropping a course and it's someone that I know has actual knowledge and sauce, I'm excited. I'm like, I am buying this thing while for most people who haven't had success in business, they have a very negative connotation with a course. So me being on the other end, like I've had a friend of mine who dropped a course recently and I was like, dude, this is sick. I'm going to be one of your first buyers because I want to learn. I guess it's just a different mindset. Like you're hungry to learn and you're willing to invest in yourself. And even if you get a little bit of knowledge, that could transform your life. So I see courses as a good thing, but because I understand that most people don't see it as a good thing is the reason why I restructured it. Sorry about that. (laughs) Because most people see courses as a negative thing, that's the reason why I restructured what essentially was a course into a program. It's a six-week program now with access to me through group weekly coach weekly group coaching calls 
and a community where you can reach out to me, write private messages to me, um, share stuff in our community, and I can respond and help you with things. It's more of a program now than it is a course because a course essentially would be watch these videos, that's it. But it's here's which videos you need to watch to do each step every week. Hop on this call with me every week. I will give you feedback on your current position, what to do to scale to the next one. And throughout the week, you can message me at any time and I'll respond every evening. That's more like mentorship combined with course. And I guess that's why I'm calling it a program. So that's yeah. my answer to that. Interesting, interesting, interesting. And a lot of this, my second thought is actually kind of interwoven in a lot of what we've been talking about or what you've met with this other side of the rainbow. I guess how I thought, how I was phrasing it is the other side of the curtain. Me personally, I know how intelligent you are and also how good of a guy you are. Just take compliments, bud. <laughs> take the compliments. He's lying. Um, <laughs> so I would... I would, if I had more money, I would like incredibly be willing to spend it on someone like you are as like someone like you that would drop a course. But that's because we're sitting in a room across from each other and I know you, you know, and there's, it's a lot different when they're on the other side of a screen because you don't get a real vibe that they're, it doesn't feel like they're human. And I never can word this in a way that I feel like really articulates it. But whenever it's anybody through a screen or it's just most of the time they end, they're celebrities, right? You don't, it doesn't process that they're just as real as me or you, you know? And as a result, you don't really attach all of those like human qualities with them because you're not processing that they're human and that they do want the best for you intrinsically. And I guess where I'm going with this is that's the other big challenge that you run into because if I'm scrolling through my feed and I'm looking for somebody that is very intelligent, how do I know that they have my best interest and that I can trust them because subconsciously I don't, I can't even process if they're a human. Like what are, what are your thoughts on, I guess that whole thing, especially when it comes to social media? Yeah. Um, so I think it's definitely a lot more difficult to connect with someone through a screen than it is in person. And I, if you know me, or if you talk to anyone who's close to me, especially when it comes to like dating, I'm always like, I'm, I'm an in-person guy. Like I hate yeah. texting. The first thing I'll be like, let's get coffee at this place at this time. Uh, I feel like I can show myself and I can represent myself the best in person rather than through a screen, through text or through like videos. But since that's not possible when you have a large social media following, what you have to do is learn how to build that trust and build that relationship with your audience through a screen. So um, there are actually a tremendous amount of strategies from books, from courses, from lectures that I've watched, from people who have done just this. And I'm planning to implement into my own marketing strategy to kind of show people like the real side of me. Like, hey, like I go I to the gym. I started, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Go to the I started two years ago. I failed so many times. I got, I get screwed over like every week. Um, like this is the reality of it. I'm no like perfect person and I'm not like superior to anyone. I'm just like you guys. And if I could do it, you could do it too. So that's kind of like the essential messaging you want to get across through the screen that you usually give off subconsciously or people take from you subconsciously in person. 
but through a screen you have to really show people that you're relatable and like you're not some guy like an ai guy you're literally just like them and you were in their position not too long ago and you've transformed your life to what they find is super cool and they want to transform their life into something similar and they're willing to follow you and learn how to do that too it's interesting because it's hard to be hard hard to come off as fully relatable when the production of your content is so much better than what somebody okay if somebody that's never made content if you ask them to make a video or if you look through their snap memories it's just the typical grainy like snap video right and a part of being relatable is kind of like that production and video video quality at least i guess i would associate and it's just interesting that it's hard or that it's even harder to be perceived as relatable when you're trying to make quality content in terms of production, in terms of lighting and all that. But at the same time, you also want to come off as relatable in all facets. So yeah. I, I don't know. That, I mean, it's an interesting subject that like there's really not an answer to, you know. In the end, I do record. I live in like a, an in apartment, a, a college yeah. apartment. Yeah, and I record on a ring light, and I've been able to build like a pretty big business from just recording videos in my room on a ring light like it doesn't really take that much i don't have production value like you guys <laughs> <laughs> and even this like these are 500 dollars. well they're uh, more pretty expensive lighting fixtures well expensive relative um but they're from a friend that mm-hmm. gave it to us 500 500 pesos or? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then like these stands they were like 30 bucks each but yeah i don't know like that's just an interesting thing to me because even when I would watch some of the bigger creators when I was younger, maybe I think a lot of them, I was like super into Minecraft, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the bigger ones were college kids. And they would just show their like college apartments or college dorms. And that's us. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing different. Well, obviously, everyone's different. But there's not much different than who they were and the environment they were in than what we are in the environment we're in. Mm-hmm. But it just never clicks when it's through a screen. So, I mean, that's an interesting subject that I think we could go down for a while. Yeah. But Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And part two will be up in the next coming days. So drop us a follow if you want to be notified when it's up.